Hey friends, again, I want to continue our sermon series that we've been on the book of Philippians as we've been talking about exploring the gospel promises the world cannot steal from us. Today I want to share about this new path, the new path that we've been called to embark on as we, um, as we continue to follow Jesus Christ. You know, Paul, in this section that we just read, Paul book bookends this section with an appeal to follow this new path, to imitate him and those who follow Jesus Christ. Really, it's an urgent appeal to the church in the midst of a world with a completely different value system. And I think it's especially important for us even now as we navigate in the many difficulties of this season that that we can truly grasp and understand the gracious privilege that we have with God through Christ Jesus. Here Paul reminds us, he reminds the church of their identity. He reminds us of our identity and our status that we have. That we're not, that our citizenship is not of this world. That even though we live in this world, that through Christ Jesus, we are, uh, we are His people, and that 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 we have Him as our Savior. Um, that in the time to come, He would resurrect our bodies from the dead. And that he would give us, he would transform our bodies and give us his glorious body. And we believe this, we know this because he himself has done that. He himself has been resurrected from the dead. I mean, scripture talks about the witnesses, the, the eyewitnesses that, that saw this person of Jesus raised from the dead. And today we have the church Today we, we, we see the explosion of the church around the world because there are people who have witnessed the resurrected Jesus. And he promised us the same. In Ephesians 2, 6 verse 7 to 7, Paul talks about it again there and he says that God has raised us up with Jesus Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He has given us a new status in order that in the coming age ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus this is beautiful that we have this status yet while we have this status while we have this, this hope that is to come, we also have this new path that we've been called to follow. And that new path um, consists of the cross of Jesus Christ. That the path to um, the resurrection is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul talks about that here, that <clears throat> there, were, there were folks in the church at that time who, were, it sounds like they were not too happy about this. And Paul calls them the, the enemy of the cross. Very specific. He didn't, he didn't even say that they were the enemies of Christ. 
the enemies of the church, they were the enemies of the cross. In other words, they probably believed and took on the, 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 the belief that, yeah, the resurrection, uh, it, it is to come, that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, but they could not somehow believe the cross is also part of the story. So for them then, it sounds like that their allegiance, their, um, uh, their, their allegiance wasn't truly towards the full person of Jesus Christ. They had taken on their own version of Christianity, but did, they did not want to accept the full body of Christ himself. So they were the enemies of the cross. And Paul talks about it this way that and like their behaviors pretty much um, demonstrated to the body, to the church, that they were the enemies of the cross. He said, he said this specifically, that their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. Meaning that these people have just decided to do whatever they wanted to do. That they're uh, that even though they've come to believe in the resurrection, somehow their lives were not representative of that reality. And, and Paul concludes that section there. It says they, ha- they, ha- they have set their minds on earthly things. And in so doing, they have rejected the way of the cross. It's very interesting. I think for that often is true of us as well. That the cross often is scandalous to us. We can get sentimental about it on Good Friday, but we leave it behind and it's only necessary for Good Friday. And so we come to over emphasize and the, the the resurrection which again beautiful amazing wonderful but we don't want the cross and you know what happens there we end up uh, claiming this badge of faith yet our lifestyles are completely different from what we claim to believe We're not willing to follow the way of the cross. So then there's this incompleteness in our theology and in our practice of faith because it is the void of the cross. I think for the most part, this is what American Christianity is about, is that we love to celebrate the the possibilities of wealth and, and power and the accolades, but When it comes to the cross, the idea that suffering and vulnerability and sacrifice is part of the way of Jesus, we we just don't want to think about that. And it's no wonder why um, we, we love to brush away. The church here in America just brushes away the, the, the injustices and the inequities of the uh, iniquities of the past. 
because we just want to, you know, we just want to celebrate. We just want to be happy. We, we got no time for that. I love what Paul here says. He calls them. He says that their God is their belly. Again, Paul is um, um, telling us that their behaviors show that they have abandoned the cross, that they are the enemies of the cross. That at the end of the day, they want to find ultimate satisfaction outside of cross, whether it's pleasure or power or comfort. When we think of the stomach, right? We think of food, we think of enjoyment, we think of celebration, right? We want, they, they, they want ultimate satisfaction outside of Christ. And these things, even for us, hijack our attention and our affections. So we expend our energy trying to be uh, satisfied. We expend our energy uh, uh, seeking out the things that would give us um, happiness and satisfaction and the feeling of, of, of enoughness. I love what author David Zale writes. He says, uh, he says this, he said, you will hear about people scrambling to be successful enough, happy enough, thin enough, wealthy enough, influential enough, desired enough, charitable enough, woke enough, or good enough. We believe instinctively that were we to reach some benchmark in our minds, then value, vindication, and love would be ours. That if we got enough, we would be enough. We chase after all these things because we want to find satisfaction. And we don't want to embrace the fullness of Jesus, which involves the cross, involves the sacrifice of the cross. But if you've lived in this planet long enough, you know enough is never enough. So in the end, it all leads to destruction. And this is what Paul says. The enemies of the cross, their fate is destruction. Because it's never enough. And again, I think for us, even during this season, we might be drawn to finding those satisfactions finding all the ultimate satisfaction in, 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 in several different things and in, in, in our wealth and in our success. And when we find that we can't get that, what happens? We end up being crushed. We end up being sad. We end up being frustrated. We end up being angry. Where is God? Where are you? And I understand this because this is true of me as well. Because I'm always trying to find satisfaction somewhere else. And then when I don't get that, I get upset at God, get angry at God. But he's before us and he said, I, I have given you the gift of myself. And even through Christ Jesus, he has come. He is the gift of God 
to us. He, Christ, is enough. So if chasing after earthly things lead to destruction, then chasing after heavenly things lead to eternal life. Earlier in the chapter, um, in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul talks about his desire, his deep longing for knowing, for, for wanting to know Jesus Christ. And this is what he said. He said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death and so somehow attaining to the righteousness, uh, to the resurrection from the dead. See, he says this, he said, I want to know the power of the resurrection, but I also want to participate in his sufferings. Becoming him like, like him in death uh, and then attaining a right, uh, resurrection. So it's one in one. <laughs> the, the, the death and the resurrection. The, the sufferings and the life. At the end of the day, you cannot know the resurrected Christ without knowing the crucified Christ. They are the one and the same. Um, renowned author and Episcopalian priest Fleming Rutledge says this. He says, the crucifixion is the touchstone of Christian authenticity. The unique feature by which, by which everything else, including the resurrection, is given its true significance. The resurrection does not cancel does not cancel out the contra contradiction and shame of the cross on, on this present life. Rather, the resurrection ratified the cross as the way until he comes. The resurrection ratifies the way of the cross until he comes. So my friends, our American Christianity is not enough. We want the power and the blessings and the wealth and and, and the prosperity, but it's, it's not enough. The way of Jesus leads us to the cross, leads us through sacrifice, leads us through Jesus Christ himself. And as I close, I want to talk just briefly, so then that what this path really looks like for us. One, Look, it's, it's embracing the posture of weakness and vulnerability. It's, it's admitting that all is not right in the world. All is not right in us. That even though God created this world and all that he created was good, somehow we have chosen our own way and we have uh, 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 chosen to, to go astray away from God. And because of that, all is not right in us. All is not right in the world. I mean, for, it's, it's clear for us to see that in our world around us that yeah, everything is not right. We see it in, in our politics. We see it in our economics. We see it in the injustices of our world. We know that all is not right in our world. And more often than not, it's easy for us to identify the, the mishaps and iniquities of our friends and our neighbors than it is, than it is for us to actually identify it in ourselves. But the right posture is embracing 
the, the weakness and the vulnerability in ourselves. And, 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 and saying, God, search my heart, know my heart. Reveal if there's any sin in me. Oh, as Jesus said, um, remove the plank in your own eye before you even try to remove the splinter in someone else's eye. That we are willing to come open, to reveal, to be vulnerable before God, to be vulnerable before um, uh, our trusted friends so that we can experience the power and the life and the resurrection that comes from Jesus Christ. I love how um, Andy Crouch, an author who writes, he says, he talks about true vulnerability. He says, true vulnerability involves exposure to meaningful risk, which is the possibility of loss, the chance that when we act, we will lose something we value. So vulnerability is not just about, you know, sharing and, you know, being honest. That's the kind of, this kind of honestly, it's kind of the cool thing now, right? People do it, celebrities do that in talk shows. You watch them in talk shows, they talk about, you know, their, their, their pain and their suffering. And it's kind of cool when, whenever a pastor does that, oh, wow, you know, you say a pastor, oh, wow, he's so honest, so vulnerable. It's kind of the cool thing to do, but sometimes it's just manipulative. And that's not what vulnerability is, is about. It's not just trying to win favor of people, win, win favor of the crowd. It's, it's really exposure to risk. Yeah, maybe for you, there's a sick, secret um, sin that you're struggling with, um, a, a, a secret um, uh, thing that you are going through and no one else knows. And the reality is that if it does not come to the light, how can... How can, how can light overcome that darkness if we keep it in darkness? So that's one, embracing a posture of vulnerability. Two is recognizing that suffering is just a normal part of life. And an essential part of, Christian, of the Christian journey. And this is hard for us to accept because we, we live in a comfortable society. If you're watching this right now, you're probably comfortable. It's, 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 just, the, it's just the reality. It's, so it's hard for us to accept that suffering is just part of life, that, that, that we will fall into despair and that things might not always go our way. And in order, sometimes in order for us to deflect and, you know, and you know, turn, an, uh, uh, turn, turn away from it, we, we try to, we, we lean on positive thinking and naive optimism to help us um, deal and with, the, with our situation. But no, it's embracing it as, recognize it as part of just normal life because it, in, in our pains and our suffering, we can actually learn to depend on God and trust Him and believe in Him and know that He's able to, to sustain you and bring you to the other side. Again, it's through the cross that the resurrection comes. It's through this path 
that we actually can witness the power of God at work in our lives. One of the things that I'm excited about is the, the, the testimonies that, that, that may come from this season for many of us, that as we get to the other side, that we can be a witness of the power of God. And then number three, it's embodying a life of sacrifice to God and to others. Because as we, as we uh, follow along this path, that we are living not just for ourselves, that, but we are sacrificing our time, our talents, our treasure for our neighbors, for our friends, for our families. And that we are thinking beyond ourselves and living for the sake of others. Essentially, this is what Jesus did, right, for us. This is the wonderful thing about what Jesus has done for us. This is the beauty of what Christ had done for us, that he embraced this posture of vulnerability, of weakness. That Christ on the cross is the weakness of God revealed to humanity. What powerful figure would you think of that would be willing to sacrifice themselves for their own creation? This is God in Christ Jesus embracing this for us. Embracing the scandal and the shame of the cross. This is Christ, even though he was without sin, suffered for us came into our world, a man without, without a place to live, a man who was a refugee, a man who was um, scorned by um, the very people he loved. He suffered for us. And ultimately, he lived a life of sacrifice to God and for us. He is the one that empowers us to live this new path. He empowers us to live this countercultural way that seems so hard and so difficult, yet on the other side of it, there is resurrection. There is life eternal. He empowers us to live this out. I love what N.T. Wright says about this, what it means to be this new people, this new creation, this Christian following along this path. He says, we're made for spirituality, yet we wallow in introspection. We're made for joy, we settle for pleasure, made for justice, we clamor for vengeance, made for relationship, and we insist on our own way. We're made for beauty, and we are satisfied with sentiment. But new creation has already begun. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of the present world. We are to bring all of our vulnerabilities, all of our sins and our, and, and, and our brokenness to the cross. 
That quite simply is what it means to be Christian, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. My friends, I pray today that we we would enter into this new world and that as we embrace the cross, the path, the way of Jesus, that we can really experience the resurrection power and life that comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing as we respond in worship. Let's sing together and worship our God. <laughs>